Hello there. Uh, I thought I'd check in with you, do a little Facebook Live. Uh, I haven't been doing very many recently, and some of you think that I have forgotten about you, but I promise I haven't forgotten about you. I just don't care about you. But, you know, so as to pretend that I do, um, I thought I'd check in and say hi. So hopefully some of you will be with me live. Uh, if you are, say hi, tell me where you're listening in from. Um, ask me any questions you'd like, uh, particularly in relation to what I'm gonna talk about. So today I've been basically, I've been very busy by the way, been working hard for a change. I, um, I take laziness very, very seriously. I want you to know that I'm a big advocate of doing very little. I think that actually when you're working, but uh, kind of whatever you do, to be honest, most, mostly anyway, um, not working is part of your work. Going for walks, having baths, reading, watching movies, sleeping, because all of these are exercises that allow your mind to be freed up a little bit. So whether you're building bridges or doing philosophy or writing books, um, I, I think definitely you should be working less hard, especially in America where you, you people work very hard. Come to Ireland for a month and you'll see how little we do. Mind you, we're not a world power and uh, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. Uh, we probably could be, you know, if we put our minds to it, but hey, uh, that always ends up in a disaster, so we just like to drink in pubs. So anyway, I generally don't do very much work, but I have been working hard recently, um, doing kind of online content. Uh, I've got a new website I'm about to launch, really excited. I'm working with my friend Clark Orr, who is this incredible designer, and um, I'm hoping tomorrow we can kind of like put that out to the world. Uh, you know, it's, it's not gonna be anything impressive to you, because you, you, know, you probably know my work already, but um, it's gonna be a really good landing site for people the first time they've heard of Parotheology or the first time they've heard about me. It's a very clear and simple website that gives lots of good information. So I, I'm, really, I'm really happy about it. Um, and also I was able to do it because I've you know, started Patreon and because of your generosity, maybe some of you listening to this, uh, I've had money to be able to put into making a website and paying people that I care about. This is the great thing, you know, paying my friend who's an amazing graphic designer, great um, like web designer. Uh, and that's, Patreon has allowed me to do that. It's also allowing me to, you know, look at doing much better uh, online content, getting better equipment, uh, like you know, things like this, which I'm not using at the moment. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm really going to up my game in terms of what I offer to you uh, over the next year. I hope you see that. I hope in the next few months to have a, you know, a dedicated space uh, in my house. I don't have a house at the moment. I'm currently homeless, but I am looking for a place uh, to rent. And uh, when I get that, setting up a dedicated studio where I can do regular content, um, and um, whatever. So that's been really exciting. Setting up the Patreon, getting the website ready, doing some events. Uh, I also have this movie, uh, Making Love, that, that I'm gonna be talking a lot more about in, a, in about a month. 
but again, if you've been following me, you'll have heard me mention it a few times. Uh, I'll be trying to raise money, probably just $20,000. I mean, I say just $20,000. I couldn't afford $20,000, but if we can get enough people to throw in 10 bucks, you know, that shouldn't be too much to raise to make this short and uh, hopefully eventually a feature film, uh, looking at some of the idea of desire. Uh, the secret behind the movie is a thriller, um, and, uh, but it's actually a um, kind of a, a theological film in a way. Um, it's an expression of my work in cinematic form, so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, and uh, I could even show you actually the website now, let me show you. Although I think it goes back to front. Oh, let me see if this goes back to front. Yeah, it does go back to front. Uh, so, but I'll still, even though it's back to front, I'm excited about this. There's me, there's me. This is taken by a really good friend. Like, I think one of the best uh, photographers in um, in Ireland, a guy called Gavin Miller. And uh, we went out, took some shots. He, t he, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of me with as the Happy Reaper, um, but yeah, he took those. He wanted me to, to dress up. And here's various events that I'm running. Look at all those logos. Look at the Last Supper logo, come on. That's not bad, is it? That's not bad. Um, keep going. Yeah, and then there's lots more. Um, anyway, I'm just showing off now. Uh, back to what I want to talk about. So apart from all of that, I've been working on Atheism for Lent. You know that this is my year. Oh, there's somebody, Rami, Rami Samir from Egypt. Wow, look at this, all over the world. You're uh, sitting watching me um, from Egypt. That's fantastic. I've been to Egypt once, beautiful, but I, like when I was a kid, I need to get back. Um, oh, wow, and um, uh, Girlshan, is that, is that pronounced right? Girlshan from Pakistan, incredible, wow. And then Grant from Seattle, that's a bit boring, Grant, in comparison to the last two. Um, so anyway, I've been also working hard on Atheism for Lent. And as you know, I've been running Atheism for Lent for 20 years, off and on, not every year, but off and on for 20 years, and I love it. But only recently um, have I been doing it online. Last year was massive. Uh, you know, my good friend Rob Bell, you know, got me on his podcast and talked to me about it, really promoted it. That really helped a lot. Uh, but this year as well, we've got so far over 200 people signed up. And so I'm trying to up the game. I realize that I have got to be more professional. If, if like if 50 people are doing something, that's one thing, but I've got hundreds of people, um, then things just have to run more smoothly. So I've been working hard, actually I can show you this as well, um, uh, on creating a really nice um, landing page for Atheism for Lent to make it really simple for people to do. Again, it's hard to see that, I know, but um, this has got all the reflections, it will have all the videos and have all the audio just on one landing page that you get. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to every year develop this, uh, make it sharper and probably make it into one of the key things of my year. Atheism for Lent in, in terms of online and in my Wake Festival, which is in Belfast, which is coming up in April. And we, we sold out this year. I've been doing it for five years. I'm sorry I'm waffling now, but I'll just tell you this. I set it up originally as an excuse to get home to Belfast because I wanted to get home more often, but I had to do something um, to justify it and to be able to afford to go home. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'll do a little festival, a small festival. And I told my friend, Adam, 
And one night, he's a festival organiser, and I said, I want to do this retreat. You know, you know, 30 people will come to Belfast, we'll go to a beautiful little retreat centre, and we'll do like a few days of talks. I'll talk, we'll discuss. And he looked at me, and then he said, oh my God, that sounds horrific. He says, who would want to listen to you talk for three days in some crazy cottage out in the middle of nowhere? It sounds terrible. He says, if I were you, I would do it in the heart of Belfast. I would do it in multiple bars in the area, so you're walking to new places. I'd have artists and musicians. I'd have you, but also some of your favourite speakers. And you know, he says, Pete, you've always been someone who likes to collaborate with artists, with icon and all of that. Why would you not do that? And so, um, and so I said to him immediately, okay, we have to do this together. Will you come in with me on this? So he went, yes. And now I, our wake is growing to, in four years, we now sell out, we're growing next year. I think we're gonna to grow to 120, maybe 150 people. For four days of art, music, drinking in Belfast pubs, seeing the countryside and talking about dangerous radical theology and incendiary ideas. So the, anyway, that's, um, that's what I've been working on. But Atheism for Lent, I'm really excited about. This year, I want to just tell you a little bit about the structure and maybe make a few comments. It starts off the first week by giving a kind of like um, an orientation into this purifying practice. It's a decentering practice. Again, some of you who will be following my work know that I've developed four decentering practices. Um, they are the Last Supper, the Evangelism Project, the Omega Course, and Atheism for Lent. So, um, uh, the first week is orienting people to this decentering practice. And there'll be a couple of readings for me and other people. Now, I'm 50-50 about whether that's a good idea, because to be honest, I like throwing people into the heart of this, and so I don't want to over-explain it. So I'm being very careful. That's the first four days, it's not even a full week. Just the first few days to give a bit of reading around the theme. And then we delve in. So the first proper week, we look at the critique of religion. Uh, the one, the critique of religion that we kind of know um, uh, because it's kind of in the air, like if we look at Epicurus, one of the most famous, um, kind of like one of the first critiques of God, uh, very simple. Uh, he, he said, well, there are three statements that can't fit together, right? Uh, just like uh, you can't have a statement, um, uh, let me see, square triangle, that just doesn't work. You can't say there is a three-sided shape that is a square. Something is not working there. And he said, in the same way, you cannot have the statement, there is an all-powerful God who is all good and there is evil. He says, those just, you can't have them together, right? You can either have an all-powerful God who is all good and then you'll have no unnecessary evil. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have struggles and whatever, but unnecessary evil, like evil. Um, or you can have an all-powerful God and evil but then you can't have the God's not going to be all good. Or you could have an all good God and there be evil, but that God's not all powerful because the God can't stop it, right? But he was like, but you can't have all three. So very simple, very simple argument. You know, we'll read that and reflect on it. We'll look at Anthony Flew's famous uh, argument. He borrows this uh, thought experiment called the Invisible Gardener. It's a very funny little parable. I should actually tell it in one of my pints and parables. I mean, very simple. It's just two people arguing um, because they come to a clearing in a forest. And in the clearing in the forest, uh, one of them says, oh, there must be a gardener who clears this, looks after it. 
And the other person says, no, I don't think so. And they go, well, yeah, yeah, there is. You go, well, I've never seen him. Oh, he says, oh, it's an invisible gardener. I go, okay, well, let's get some dogs to sniff out this gardener and find him that way if he's like an invisible man. And the guy says, oh, well, no, he, he doesn't have a scent either. They go, okay, well, let's put up fences and, you know, so that whenever he touches the fence, we'll see the movement, we'll know that he's there. He goes, oh, no, he can walk through fences. And this keeps going and eventually the guy says, what's the difference between your invisible gardener and no gardener at all? So, yeah, so we'll go into the critique of religion. In its, in its kind of mo most, to be honest, boring form, but, but it's definitely worth doing a week of that. And then after that, we're going to do a week on the mystics. So we're going to throw ourselves into the atheism of the mystics because they are critical of that God. All of the critiques that we'll be doing in that week, the mystics kind of agree with, and they construct a different understanding of the absolute that embraces the atheism of those critiques. Right? So it's really interesting. We'll delve into that. We'll, we'll spend a week in that. I'll give a talk on that. But then, and, and this is where I'm changing it from last year. I think I've got a much better structure this year. After that, I'm going to look at the critique of the mystics. Right? Because people like Feuerbach and Marx, uh, Durkheim, Comte, um, all of the usual names who, have, who are the, the great 19th century uh, critics of religion, they actually have a really good critique of mysticism. And, uh, you know, not many people know this about me because they know that I, I think, you know, have a sympathy for mysticism. My first book was, was uh, you know, embedded in that tradition. I, some of my PhD work was in that. But actually, I'm, I'm quite critical of the mystics as well. <laughs> and I want to draw out why. Now, that's not means I think there's lots of good there, but we're going to spend a week actually looking at the critique of mysticism. Um, and I want to include Karl Barth in that. Interesting. I haven't yet. If you've already signed up, you can get into that landing page and you'll see what I've done, but that's not the finished product. So uh, I might be dropping things out and putting more things in. And um, the reason why I want to put Karl Barth in is because interestingly, Karl Barth has an incredible critique of religion and mysticism. Uh, now, I'm, he's, the only, he's one of the only theologians I read, and it's not because I like him or agree with him. It's because I find him fascinating. I think he's a very brilliant thinker, a brilliant mind. It's obvious that he is immersed in German philosophy and theology. And, and um, you know, so I, I read him to appreciate him. In fact, I'm actually reading this book at the moment, Karl Barth on Religion, which is an excerpt from his Church Dogmatics on Religion. And it's a fascinating book. I'll probably put it... I'm, I might put an excerpt from this book into Atheism for Lent because his critique is as strong as Comte's, as Durkheim's, as Feuerbach's, as Marx's, as Nietzsche's critique. Barth thinks that religion is a human construct, a human creation, absolutely. He thinks it's not transcendent at all. It is an imminent, historical, material thing. And uh, is, is, you know, that, so that he has that, that critique. Um, interestingly, but he has a really good um, attempt at redeeming religion um, where he thinks it's sublimated by revelation. We might not go, go, won't go into that now. I'll do, I'll do a Facebook Live on that sometime um, or, a, or a Paro seminar probably. But uh, he, he thinks that religion can be sublimated, uh, which means sublimation means you take something which is just kind of a bit crap and you find it beautiful in its crapness. 
So whenever you love someone, you sublimate them. To, to idolise someone is to cover over their brokenness and their fears and their anxieties and all their suffering. Kind of cover that over and pretend they're perfect, putting someone on a pedestal. But sublimation is different. For Freud, sublimation is where you take a person in all of their fears and anxieties and struggles and you find that beautiful and wonderful. So, so Bart has this understanding that actually Christian, Christianity is sublimated religion. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's made beautiful, um, but now by kind of revelation, whatever. Now, again, it's just a very interesting argument. But he, um, I think I want to throw him in there because he's as, he's as interesting as some of the other critics. But the problem is you do not read Karl Barth in religious studies, critiques of religious studies. There's a very good essay on this by Garrett Green. I think it's worth getting this book just for this essay, where he argues that actually religious studies, they should probably put Karl Barth in there as one of the critics of religion. Um, uh, but of course he isn't because he's this theologian who comes across sometimes a bit a bit fideistic and a bit um, uh, closed off from the wider uh, intellectual uh, world that he was in. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's Jake laughing about me uh, talking about Bart. Yeah, so don't 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 take this as me going like I'm a Bartian at all. But I think like you know, I'm I'm putting people in here who I just think are interesting because by the way this is the whole point of like my work and other people's work is that my main interest is how do we destabilize and decenter ourselves by incredibly good and powerful thinkers who might just help us see the world differently that's why atheism for lent is a decentering practice uh, the main purpose is for us to engage with great thinking that we don't necessarily um, find ourselves resonating with but actually they knock us off course onto a different course. So technically it's a discourse, D-I-S-C-O-U-S-E, a discourse that sends us off course and onto a new one. So we'll do that critique. Then, then we move into the theologians that I'm more interested in, who are responding um, to the critique of religion and they're not offering a pure mysticism. You could call them materialists, materialist theologians. This is very big in the early 20th century with people like Paul Tillich and Mary Daly. Um, they're offering uh, an understanding of, of uh, Christianity um, in a way that uh, responds intelligently to the great critiques, not just of religion, but also the great critiques of mysticism, to, to explore a very grounded type of theology that is rooted in the grit and grime of the world, that is about you know, really engaging with real people um, uh, here and now. So uh, you know, Bonhoeffer will be in there as well, one of my personal favorites. Uh, and Bonhoeffer of Letters and Papers from Prison. You know, that's like gold, gold stuff in there. Uh, oh, Seth is quoting Dostoevsky just came up. Dostoevsky should be in the Atheism for Lent. Uh, he isn't this year, but every year I mix it up and one year he'll get in there. Um, oh, interestingly, the quote you did, Lacan has a really good counter to that quote. Uh, um, if there is no God, everything is permitted. Lacan says, if there is no God, nothing is permitted. Um, and uh, I'll do, I'll do uh, a talk on that someday, but it's very interesting. Um, okay, then from the kind of the materialist readings of theology, I then want to, on the last week, 
respond by looking at some of the critiques of even that understanding um, into, um, well, I'll, I'll say it like this, not the critique. So you, there's the critique of religion. There's the response of the mystics. There's the critique of mysticism. There's the response of the materialists. And then the last week, I want to show how religion is more deeply um, embedded in us than we can imagine. Right? That actually theists and atheists and agnostics and agnostics, all of us have festering fundamentalisms and religious dogmas often in the core of our being that we're not even aware of. And that actually this purifying uh, ritual of atheism for Lent is ultimately trying to get beyond consciousness or conscious rejection of religion into an un a rejection of religion that, that, that hits our unconscious. So that's the kind of exciting bit where we go, oh my goodness, the rabbit hole goes a lot deeper than we first thought. Uh, and, and we all probably have more work to do than we could imagine. So this is a dialectic movement, which is, you know, there's a position, there's a critique of the position, there's a re-articulation of the position, there's a movement. And of course, this is a conversation that is in many ways circular, because if we wanted to, we could, there's, you know, contemporary thinkers who are redeeming, say, for example, the mystical tradition and doing some interesting things with that. Someone like Jean-Luc Marion, for example. Um, but, uh, but really where I want to drive this to, because it is a practice, this is not an intellectual thing, it is, I mean, you're going to be doing a lot of reading and listening to things and, and reflections, but there's also comic books and, as I say, articles and movies as well. But there's a, there's a lot of that, but ultimately I want us to kind of like at least touch on the idea that, that relig religious uh, dogmatism uh, can, can kind of grasp hold of us and sit in, an, in a kind of like nestle itself insidiously within us in ways that we're not even, you know, fully aware of and that, you know, we need to, to bring that out. Uh, Jennifer saying, this may or may not be useful, but your idea of mysticism is pretty one-sided. Well, I would say no, like, I mean, I've read the great mystics, you know, and, um, uh, you know, of course, like I'm, my PhD is partly on them. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say I've got a one-sided reading. You may disagree with my reading. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, I'm very sensitive to the mystics. I think Meister Eckhart, for example, is phenomenal. You know, Meister Eckhart's someone who I read to this day. You know, I'll, 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 I'll go back to him and do that. Um, the, the mystics um, are fascinating. And like my, I say, my, my, my primary intellectual work was was reading mysticism and post-structuralism together mm -hmm. and uh, having that conversation and really delving into kind of Derrida's uh, response to mysticism. So no, I, I, you know, I don't want to kind of you know, write, write the mystics off, but I do want to say that people like Feuerbach um, and Karl Barth are doing very sophisticated uh, critiques of mysticism. Um, but that doesn't mean, again, the critiques are there uh, you know, you'll find mystics who respond to those critiques. So I kind of just want to bring you, if you're doing the course, into the, that kind of conversation um, and see how these things kind of interact. So there you go. That is the movement then from the critique of religion to mysticism, into materialist theologies, into um, a kind of like uh, a reflection on the unconscious and how religion operates in an unconscious level. And then, you know, at the end, there will be tears. I'll, 
will play just as I am and we will get people to come forward to give up their religiosity to embrace religionless Christianity. That's the idea. Well, maybe not that, but that's the idea. So um, thank you for listening to that. I'll have a... Oh, I was hoping I wouldn't. Oh, you didn't. Jennifer didn't offend. Sorry, not at all. Good grief, you're amazing. You're commenting away in my other posts. No, no, no. You're not. I, I want you to be, come at me. You know, critique me absolutely. So, please, 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 Jennifer. I don't know you, but I, I the little I know of you from your online presence, I think the world of you. So please, um, don't ever think that just because you're wrong, I, I don't like you. I'm only joking. You're not wrong. Um, uh, oh, John said, will some of this come up in New York City? Yes, I'm in New York next week. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, um, I need to think about what I'll do, but we've got a whole day together. So yeah, I'll definitely be doing some of this stuff. If you're in New York City, please come join me. Um, I've got, I'm doing a free event and then I'm doing an all day event as well. So, um, and also, it's crazy, you know, anywhere in the world is easier to get people to come to things in New York City, my goodness. I need to actually promote it a bit more. Um, oh, Ben's asking, what about modern mystics like Richard Rohr? Yeah, Richard Rohr, I think, is amazing. And, and I, you know, you, if you want to hear me, I talk about Richard Rohr on the Deconstructionist podcast um, and, and talk about actually one of the reasons why I think Richard Rohr is a very, very important figure um, and in terms of the contemplative tradition. So when I say, I mean, it's probably not even fair to say when I'm critical, it's, it's the, that week will be you know looking at Marx and Feuerbach and Bart and um and who else I don't think I've got Freud in this year maybe Nietzsche and just what they bring up um but uh you know I, I like there's definitely a lot of you can't read my first book even my second book without seeing it like you know is immersed in the in the in that that tradition oh and it, this is probably not officially going to happen, but there might be, I might be doing an event with Richard Rohr at some stage, but I can't say more than that at the moment. Um, okay, let me see. Any thoughts? Oh yeah, well, there we go. There's um, uh, Herschel is, um, we've had Pakistan, we've had Egypt, and uh, Herschel is in the abyss. So there we go. <laughs> I don't think you can beat the abyss. Uh, Oh, Jason saying, did you check Hans Jonas, uh, God after Auschwitz? Uh, this, would this fit? You know what, that would fit. Um, I'm thinking for 2018 of doing um, Atheism for Lent kind of uh, world religions. In a sense, uh, you know, a week on Islamic uh, atheism, a week on Jewish atheism, a week on Buddhist atheism and Christian atheism. So, I'd really be interested in that. I was trying to bring in that this time. I was going to do a week on it, but to be honest, I just felt like I need to do a lot more reading to do it, to do it well. So I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not promising I'll be able to do this, but I'm hoping that maybe next year um, we'll look at, you know, how different religions have, you know, different kind of the atheist theologians and thinkers within those different traditions have expressed these ideas and uh, so that could be one of the ones we look at with Judaism. Um, let's see, oh there's Norway, very good, we're getting a lot more uh, Europeans these days, that's good to see. Ah, Scotland as well, very good. All right. Well, thanks for listening in. Um, hope some of you will join me for Atheism for Lent, but don't worry if you're not. Um, 
and uh, I will, uh, you know, um, hopefully launch the website tomorrow. I'd love to get your feedback. I'm sure um, there's lots of spelling mistakes and little problems and links that don't work. So if you find anything that's wrong, feel free to tell me in a nice way. But you can tell me, say, Pete, it's a lovely website, but your spelling is atrocious. Uh, that would be very, very helpful. If you're in LA tonight, I'm doing an event with Rob Bell uh, in Pasadena. Uh, but I think it might be sold out, I'm not sure. Anyway, thanks very much. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.